When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to the Game to Love podcast. And on this episode, we've got a very unique interview with Serbian tennis player Danilo Petrovic. We speak to him about tennis prize money his friendship with Novak Djokovic, and the growth of Serbian tennis. Hey! Hey, Uh, that's brilliant. We'll have, we'll, have, we'll have to take your word for it that it's you. <laughs> As we can only just see your mouth and your uh, nose and eyes. Yeah, hey, see. look, here's the <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's great to... I'm my physiotherapist. Hi. Wow. It's so good to have him on as well. First physiotherapist. Yeah. Actually, second physiotherapist on the podcast. Yeah, we've had one. We can't ignore him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We, had, we had the wolf, the guy who did uh, Taylor Fritz's physio. He was on. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he came on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. So, Danilo, let's get on with it. Let's start. How you been? What have you been up to in quarantine? You've been keeping I'm well? good. I, I actually came back from States like when the uh, pandemic started in Serbia. So, I needed to do like one month of co- quarantine, home quarantine. So I literally couldn't go out for like 28 days. So I was just like chilling home. And when I started like working out on my own at my place, I got my uh, my uh, shoulder like fell apart. So I needed to take off like a few more weeks. And uh, yeah, I started practicing maybe three weeks ago. Okay. That's good. So, yeah, it's, How's it it's going? good to be. Yeah, it's it, it, it went slowly at the beginning, but now I'm like stepping up and pushing up the tempo because uh, Novak and our tennis federation are organizing few like national tournaments around the the Serbia. So so yeah, it's like heating up, getting back in into like where it was and all the. Um, yeah, almost everything is back to normal. All the shops are working normally, and and the restaurants, bars, pubs, like transportation. So yeah, it's pretty much normal now. Nice. That's really. I'm finding this is funny. This is very unique interview. I must admit, <laughs> it's, it's going to be the first on the game to love. I'm trying to hold in my laughs here, but it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. What sort of other stuff have you uh, been up to? If obviously, if you've uh, had this injury and stuff like that, have you been able to get up to anything else? Obviously, due to the quarantine stuff, have you had any other things you've been doing during your spare time? Well, yeah, I was I was reading a lot, watching a few movies here and there, and uh, yeah, doing a bit research on the stock market and, uh-huh. <laughs> and things like that, and. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing like really spectacular. Nah, me too, man. I'm on that every day now on the stock market, having a look, yeah. see what's happening. It's the best time to invest right now. So, well, there, there goes one more speculator. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good fun. If anything, it just passes time for me. Like, um, yeah, I'm working during the day, but it's something to keep your mind active and thinking about things. Yeah, especially if you're earning, if you're losing, it's it's it starts being fun very fast. 
Yeah, but right now is a good chance you can make money. It's an easier way true, to make money, true, I feel. It's on the low, it's on a very low period. So true, true. Do you have true. any tips for us? Well, it's uh yeah. I would like to give you tips, but you, you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't do that good if you would listen to me. Uh, I've been listening to Jaron, uh and well I'm not doing too bad. Up a couple of pounds. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> then, then maybe I should get some tips. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll reconvene after the video and we'll have a touch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But for Sounds now, good. so um, what's happening with your sort of um, your physical therapy? Obviously, you're getting a massage at the moment. Are you continuing with that, um, mm-hmm. or is that just more for your injury? No, it's like uh, well, I I help a rough few days like in terms of fitness and and tennis i started like pushing really like i said pushing pushing out the tempo and uh, obviously my body now is like it was kind of falling apart from everything i i didn't do and from all the time i was laying in the bed and uh, everything was closed so i didn't even almost walk anywhere or do anything so wow so yeah now i'm 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 stepping up like the tempo and and things are getting like my body and my muscles are getting tight again so i just don't want to don't want to get injured really and uh, miss maybe three or four more months for for let's say a nonsense so i'm trying to 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 recover my body in 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 different ways Hmm. Yeah, especially being that 2020, like you, you started the year quite good. You went well. 2019 was your year. You made some amazing tennis, some brilliant matches, and it just seems that 2020 you had a good little run as well. You got to your all-time career high as well. So it's kind of come at a bad time for you because I feel like this year we would have seen the big, the real Danilo Petrovic and what he can do on the court. Yeah, well, actually, to be honest, I, I mean, I, I really had a great year, but it was a long year for me. So I already started like beginning of the year. I started off like kind of tired and I was like, God damn, like now I have a ranking finally to play all the all the biggest tournaments, maybe even qualies for, for some of the master Masters events and and uh, like all the good things started happening but i was just feeling like maybe you know i'm starting to be a bit tired because uh, you know when you're making good results and uh, you're working mostly on on adrenaline and uh, and i gotta turn on my back sorry <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh, so yeah i was working mostly on my adrenaline and then I was just feeling like uh, end of the year and the uh, and the end of last year and beginning of this year. I was like, yeah, well, some some pause would be really really nice. And uh, then when Corona happened, I I decided just to use it as a as a pause. Yeah, we've been speaking to a lot of players that seem to have been using this time to recover from long-standing injuries and just really just allowing themselves that time just to get better like people with back problems people with shoulder elbow like we it seems that everybody's carrying some sort of injury all the time and this is sort of helping people get back to full fitness or let their body recover a little bit so we do forget the tennis schedule is so congested there's so many events going on and not often like it's not close to each other like you're going here one month and then the next week you're somewhere else um so it can be very physically draining and mentally as well i can assume yeah, we're we're actually kind of speaking now as we all have time to to deal also with little bit rules and prize money distribution and and things that we could make better in tennis. So few of few of players uh, in which I am as well, we're speaking constantly with ATP in uh, about what's what things we could improve and uh, and we definitely said that we could maybe make a season a little bit shorter even for our level let's say challengers and atp qualities and like lower atps like 250s and uh, because uh, at the end of the year you if you really want to have like the uh, pre-season like the to really prepare for for next year then you don't really have time to rest so it's like or you're gonna rest and try to start off the season fresh, or you're gonna really do the the winter period uh, strong and then make an improvement there. So we're trying to make uh, 
schedule a bit shorter so you could really after the the long season as it is to have a quite decent rest before you have the pre preseason kicking in yeah and i think that will be very good for everyone really involved yeah, yeah, people yeah. on the challengers more so but like the main thing what you touched on just a second ago was the fact that the money's not really reaching your level so much it seems to be very congested at the top of the like the grand slams uh, and higher end where Right now, we need the ATP to sort of allow for more money and more prize money to be sort of distributed down the level, as per se. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that is the future of tennis. And not just that, we, the challengers, we, we find probably the most entertaining tennis ever, really, don't we, Ben? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we spoke with... We love uh, it. We spoke with Bibian Schoofs, uh, who's a Dutch well, female player, and she said that there was uh, talks of introducing, taking away percentage of the Grand Slam prize money to distribute to the others, like the ITF events and the Challenger events, so that the smallest win would be 60K rather than like a 25K, and then just gradually stagger the money a bit better just so that players can actually not have money as a worry, because you shouldn't. You're the best players in the world, and there shouldn't be any worries in money. But yeah, well, the, the thing is that that story is, uh, is already long there, you know. The, and there is a lot of good and... and prosperative ideas the thing is that somehow it never ends up like that someone actually does it just yeah. you know like the season starts everyone starts doing their own own things and all of a sudden like it it appears like everything everyone forgets about it you know so no one really yeah. fights for it and then you don't really have time to fight for it and then you don't really know how atp or wta or itf or grand slams or masters are really funding themselves or so yeah it took some times also in some time in quarantine to to study and uh, to to see actually how atp works because because I wanted to know and to see how they're making businesses and, and things. And that's where I realized that they could actually do things much better, especially for, for the lower level, even though like they like to say as, a, as an excuse, like the lower level guys are even out of top 20 guys are not, not making them any money. So the thing is that, uh, yeah, prize money distribution is uh, unreal bad. And uh, I mean, we all know everyone plays tennis for Grand Slams because even the top 100 guys would not be that, let's say, wealthy if they wouldn't have Grand Slams. So yeah. most of the income of every tennis player, no matter how good you are, are Grand Slams. So the thing, thing is that already on Grand Slams, the prize money distribution is that, uh, okay, they're trying to make these differences lower and lower. So they're obviously taking some percentage of the winner, finalists, semifinalists, quarters, and etc. To, to the guys that are first round, uh, quality, second, first round main draw, and so on. But the thing is that... Uh, when you see their revenue, that's the biggest problem because uh, only U.S. Open in 2019 they had around 380 million dollars of revenue. Wow, 380 million dollars of revenue, and you're getting for male and female, if I'm not wrong, around 40 million dollars. And it just shows that's why they're trying to push to the U.S. Open to be played again. I'm yeah, assuming. so yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we also had a talk now that. Maybe the U.S. Open is going to be held in Indian Wells, uh, yeah. draw of 64, and and so on. But the the first thing, okay, from my perspective, is that is not fair. Is that okay? So to the 64, you're going to give chance earning points and the rest. Yeah. Okay. Let's not talk about money, but you, if you don't have chance to earn any points, how how the hell are you supposed to compete with all these guys? Exactly. Yeah, it's a good um, point you make. No, it's, no, no it's always matter, about the no money, matter. is it? It's about your ranking yeah, as well. Yeah, no matter that it's Corona or no, but for everyone, rules should apply. You know, no matter if you're first on the world or if you're 2000 in the world, you sh the same rules apply. You're playing on yeah. the same, so your service box is the same as opponent's service box. Otherwise, it's it's not sport. 
So the thing is that I, I really have nothing against that USDA is filling up their budget and everyone has problems now, in, especially in financial terms. But the thing is then, for, for me, they should organize an exhibition and fill out their budget with all the biggest names, you know? Yeah. Or, I don't know, but you cannot give points and give chance to someone to, to earn points and then, you know, to, to the rest, I don't know, if you're supposed to have like 260 guys on Grand Slam, you give, you're giving chance to only 60, so what about 200 guys? Yeah. No compensation in terms of points, not even smaller tournaments, no compensation in terms of money. I mean, what the hell? So basically, those 200 guys are going to invest their money that they would calculate on to make US Open possible for the points they are not able to, to get. So yeah. that's the par paradox of, of all the organizations. Like I said, me first, I'm, I, I would be very, very glad that tennis is back, that we're all back on courts. But you cannot, you know, make for someone and then not be making for anyone else because if you have 64 people why wouldn't you have 250 well, exactly i know it's just a it's just a crate i don't well we don't know the ins and outs of all of it but uh, yeah i mean that's, I hope... that's the that's the rumor that also yeah. i heard so it's nothing really official but i mean i see i was speaking with a lot of top guys especially guys from usa that they told me yeah we should get tennis back on courts i said i agree but yeah. we should get tennis back on courts for everyone yeah not for someone yeah, yeah for sure like i mean if that's not possible then it might be best just to wait for next year and have to resume the schedule as it nah, would be I mean, for the new yeah, year yeah i mean it's 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 you know i, I understand i was speaking also through with a few tour managers and uh, guys from atp and they told me yeah but you know atp is in financially really tough situation okay i have nothing against that you can make like iptl or labor cup and there's no points you're gonna have a bunch of spectators yeah and make something to to fill out the budget i mean for sure you 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 know i mean if you're working there even even if you're not working there you should have a bunch of ideas how to fill out the budget of atp yeah. i mean i'm not the smartest guy or any genius you know but I, I can give you three or four. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a simple thing that if you're speaking with some tennis players that, that really want to get involved in, in all of this, you could realize, okay, uh, well, that could work or we could try or we could make it work or, you know. But the things are, you know, everyone wants to get fast, uh, rich and not only rich, but to get rich fast and that's the problem, you know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. also kind kind of the same in tennis, you know. That's why they have this big gap in uh, top hundred. Or, yeah, or it is the it is the top. I think it is the top hundred, like you say. I think that we we notice the difference. Like it, as soon as you pass that top hundred, it seems like barrier, there's there's a barrier to get into the top hundred, and after the top hundred, there's a barrier for the top fifty, and then after the top fifty, there's another barrier, and then it seems it's just a constant, but it it just gradually goes up and up and up and up and up as yeah. when you get into that top three, top four, well, it was top three bracket. Obviously it's just multi-millions and hundreds of millions that they're talking about, but to have yeah. that and then 101 in the world to be not struggling, but not even earning anywhere near yeah. the amount. It's just crazy, crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like, I, I think Milman said it in a recent interview that, uh, how bizarre is that he's like, I don't know, 60, 70, or he was giving some example that's of someone that is 70 or 80 in the world. And then you have number three that is best paid athlete probably in history of sport per year. So how ridiculous is that? I mean, you know, it's like you cannot, I mean, it, it happens in, in other sports as well, but this big gap is just like, uh, that that shows you that economically in your sport you're not doing something well, no. Or the marketing team of ATP is not trying to make uh, uh, brands out of because because like I said in one of uh, players' meetings, I think it's the job of ATP and ATP management and and everything 
not to work on uh, promoting only ATP, but to promote a lot of players in different levels. Yeah, for sure. You I think already promoting every best player or one of the best players in the world by, you know, selling TV rights from semis or quarters of every Grand Slam. Okay, you did that. Take a guy that is 30 and put it on every freaking commercial. Say to Wilson, yeah. Nike, no, you got to have a guy that is 30. Otherwise, we're not signing, we are not letting you sign with Federer. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, but, but, yeah. but also, you know, we're part-time contractors with ATP. We don't really have contracts, so no one can really forbid you to, to do anything. You know, it's not like NBA that they can tell you, you know, like, okay, yeah, yeah you cannot have. But in the same time, when logo is too big for tennis, then ATP tells you, yeah, you cannot play in that. Well, this is, I think, something which is quite uh, similar that you just sort of touched on. There's been a sort of similar problem in the UFC as well, because I know that there is, they have like, say, 500 to 1,000 fighters on their roster. But then you've got like about two or three people who make all the money, and then everybody else is finding out they're not being promoted in the right way. Like, this needs to be the promotion. Like, everybody, there's people who are incredible tennis players out there that are playing at a challenger level or playing at ITF level that people don't even know about yet. I mean, obviously, they have to come through the ranks, but give these people some promotion. Like, you, you know they're good from an earlier age. Just try and, like, give. Obviously, there's quite a lot of players, but you could still help people in certain events and you could advertise certain events a lot better to get people at these challenger events get people at the itf events i think it would just help everybody if they just did it i don't know i, I completely agree i will give you an example that i felt on my skin is that um, i was playing i'm always speaking about this challenger because this was the first challenger that left really impact on me like uh uh, and it was first challenger that I played final uh, two two years ago. It was in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico that they made a huge challenger and they were twice in a row challenger of the year. And uh, they they actually made like uh, billboards and commercials all over the city with like uh, people like me or like, I don't know, the guys that are 300, 350, you know, and then majority of people that are watching tennis they don't really know i mean if i would go around serbia they would know djokovic maybe troisky if i would say lajovic the, the guy is 23 in the world or Krajinovic that was 25 or yelani yankovic know, probably yeah. they probably know as well yeah yeah yeah. They, but you know they would go like yeah it's it kind of ring a bell but i i don't really know how he looks like or who he is you know exactly it, it's like recreational tennis player you know so <laughs> and, uh, and uh then then i'm giving you an example in mexico and they said uh, can't watch a guy that is 180 220 in the world 300 i promise you the stands were crowded but also the par paradox in tennis is that uh, is, and they were paying tickets so the tickets were like five dollars or if you want the vip with drinks it's like 50 dollars per day or it was crowded crowded it's, like back it just and shows that the people there who would watch it you just need the right advertising and promotion nah, yeah exactly and then the thing is in tennis that now overall they found that average age of a tennis fan is 57 years old. No, come on. Yeah, 57. Yeah, yeah. This 57. Is... So think... actually, that's why everyone is, you know that in the world, every year there is like in between 15 and 20% of less registered players in all the countries in the world. Oh, I didn't know that. For example, in Serbia, we have every year like 5% less, 5% less, 5% less, 5% less. When I was playing national champions, championships, we had, so like 10 years ago, we had 128 draw, main draw, 128 draw qualis, and then you had pre-qualis, 60, 64 qualis draw to get in qualis. Yeah. Now we cannot crazy. organize a tournament. They cannot fill out the draw of 16. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Just when you put it like that, it just shows that like, we wouldn't really know stuff like this. It's more from a player's perspective. Obviously, you're 
involved in the action all the time you know these the things thing is, the thing is why why mostly old people are watching first of all because okay you cannot sing you cannot really speak you cannot really move okay let's try to keep as as long as we can that the thing is why you need to play tennis at 11 in the morning imagine you watching a, a soccer game or football game at noon <laughs> well, no one would freaking watch it because everyone is working. For example, Grand Slams are, are exceptional because you have so many players and so many matches and yeah, yeah. double doubles. But but I'm telling you, for example, in Mexico, events are starting 5 p.m., 6 p.m. That's good. You're playing until 10, 10 or 11 on three different courts. Back. You have Los Cabos, ATP. They're starting 6 p.m., I think. Okay, yeah. You can Umag ATP in Croatia. They're starting 5 or 6 p.m. Pack. Uh, th- those are tournaments that mm. I have from my head that I can tell you that are packed. These are yeah. That's a very good point. 30- it seems like in Europe, there's a lot like they start at 9 a.m., right? Some of them, like yeah. Italy, in France, Germany. Yeah. I mean, like much okay, earlier. That, it shouldn't need to those, be like those, that, maybe. Those are futures. Those are futures. Challengers okay. are. Okay. Are starting starting around ten mostly, but but the thing is, I'm always asking the challenger organizers, like guys, why? The, the every 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 referee, every every umpire, they're getting paid per day, so it doesn't matter if they're gonna start their job at ten a.m. and finish it at four, yeah. or they're gonna start at four and finish it at ten. Yeah. It's, you're paying sense. them for a day so it's a 12 hour i don't know you can tell them as well like okay matches are starting at nine so they gotta be there at eight yeah do you reckon players perform differently though there's certain players who prefer playing in the morning to playing in the in like the evening so. yeah true but you know more, uh, 99 of the players they're gonna tell you yeah i prefer to play at four okay because Plus, then you- i can wake up 10 eat I'm- breakfast uh eat, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, lunch, practice a bit, you know, you're not in a rush, uh, yeah. you wake up, you need to get a cold shower to, to wake up, you know, to get your blood, like, I'm going through veins and everything, you know, it's like, I mean, and, and you're making sport for spectators, you know, exactly, there's, like, exactly that. Like there, there's no sport without us, but there's no sport also without spectators. So, um, so what I wanted to say is, uh, is uh, if you want make to to have more spectators watching, what what you're gonna do? So make the times where actually someone can come. Exactly, and I think that like you were saying with the Mexico one, if they advertised every single one of these and advertised them a time after work in all of these countries. Think how much more money and revenue each of these tournaments will be getting to be able to give back to the players. Everyone, everyone. And then imagine in few years when a player would be a brand, even on a challenger level. Hmm. Maybe some, I don't know, Adidas would come to, to him and say, yeah, okay, I see that a lot of people are respecting you around the USA. What would you... What would you need uh, besides clothing? How much money would you be interested in? Like this, no one is interested in you. We, we find no it bizarre that there's people who aren't interested because for us, we do. We obviously have a podcast and we watch a lot of yeah. tennis from lower ranked as well. So when we watch yeah. it, we think it's brilliant. We love it. Like if I was a part of Adidas, I would go to you, maybe sign you up for something. Yeah, and, like, because yeah, you know, you know, we understand it's, it. It's be, yeah, you understand, and uh, I really hope that in next. Uh, next year or two uh, we, we, we're going to change that a lot because uh, with the new president he already had a few quite good ideas I, I suppose you, you, you heard about the merging of uh, ITF, yeah. ATP and WTA yeah. well that's basically because uh, I don't know if you knew the fact that tennis is third most watched sport in the world okay. that's so and they're selling their their TV rights for like uh, I think five hundred fifty million or six hundred million, okay. and the revenue from all the sports from uh, from TV rights, so all the sports together, is around uh, sixty billion. 
So we are not earning even 1%. And we are third most watched sport. Crazy. On TV. So what they wanted to do with this merge, I mean, I was honestly against merge until I didn't realize what it is because, I mean, uh, WTA is in problem because they're obviously, that's why they're trying to make more and more mixed events. So they would, you know, people would watch even more and more uh, also fee, uh, girls tennis and females tennis. And uh, so what I wanted to say from my point of view, I mean, uh, I know this is going to sound like uh, sexist or whatever, but, but uh, you know, in tennis, everyone says, okay, you're not making money for ATP. So that's why you, you have lower incomes. Uh, now, now what they say, you know, yeah, ATP should uh, merge with WTA to help WTA. No, I mean, WTA needs to deal with WTA. So you have guys working for you, trying to make WTA as best, as, as, as good as possible. Yeah. But no money from no player from ATP should be sacrificed to get into WTA. And, uh, but that was something that I was thinking in my head. Basically, what, why they w wanted to make a merge and why they probably will make a merge is because now we have so many governing bodies in tennis. We have ITF, we have ATP, we have WTA, we have every Grand Slam that is sold, uh, the, that is selling uh, their TV rights separately, and we have Masters Series that is selling their, their, uh, their rights separately. So, you know, everyone is getting a piece of cake, but you cannot really sell 250s and even some of the 500s are hard to sell. And especially challengers, obviously, for, for any kind of TV rights. So what they wanted to make is uh, to, to have all the group together. So challengers, all the Grand Slams, Masters, 250s, 500s, challengers, and so on, and to sell them for 2.5 billion. Okay. So, because everyone would buy that still, you know, because everyone mm -hmm. wants a Grand Slam, everyone wants Masters, and mo everyone mostly wants the 500s, even some 250s. So, if you want to sell it that way, you know, then probably people are going to say, okay, yeah, two and a half million, uh, billion, yeah, that's fine. Because they're still going to make money on that. The, and then, you know, from 600 million to 2, two and 2.5 billion, that's almost four times. Yeah. And what they said is that they would invest all this money only into players. So basically every player that is ranked would have what they have now from prize money four times more. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's a so very interesting perspective, in fact. Like, it's nice yeah, to hear so, a player's perspective on it because we always see from like, the news and the media. So yeah, so, so that's something that could be good. On the other side, until I see it done... <laughs> <laughs> that's another matter altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they anyway, said so many things. And... Yeah. I think we should probably move on to more about you as a person, your career. Yeah, so exactly. Let's we've, no, we've not even spoke too much about that. Yeah. So for you personally, I see you play a lot on, on the hard courts and uh, clay. But for me, like yeah. I prefer watching you on clay, but I think you're brilliant on both. But do you have a favorite yourself? Well, I grew, you know, when, when I was starting tennis and in Serbia, when we were growing up until uh, Novak Janko and Victor became so big, uh, we didn't really have any hard courts. So we, we were playing under bubbles uh, during the winter, but on clay. So I would say until I was like 13, 14, 15, I, I would basically only know how to play on clay. And uh, that's why I'd say probably one of my strongest shots is a drop shot. Even though I'm a guy of, with, with a height over two meters, but yeah. I like, you know... <laughs> We were literally staying on the court and playing mini tennis for like five, six, seven hours straight, you know, and we would never get tired of mini tennis. And I just think, you know, we all in Serbia, we have that, we like, we like to say in tennis, uh, a nice touch, a nice hand, you know, yeah, yeah. because yeah. we grew up, not because we're 
God's people or whatever, but because we we just you know grew up playing mini tennis all the day every day, and uh, yeah. So then when I was 15, I I went to France and there in ISP Academy in Sofia Antipolis, and there uh, my coaches and uh, director of academy that, that that time was like my mentor and kind of like my father and my coach in the same time. He told me, look, I mean. You're growing up. You're gonna be a big guy. You gotta, you gotta have a big serve, big, big, big strokes, and uh, you gotta learn how to play on hard court. And then he was forcing me, basically, you know, playing on hard court, playing a little French tournaments, national tournaments, tournaments for money on hard court. I was mostly practicing on hard court. And then all of a sudden, I said, "Well, yeah, I'm probably playing better on hard court." <laughs> so. Uh, if you ask me, I, I, yeah, I would say I, I play better on hard court, but I, I'm quite good on clay, so I cannot yeah. really definitely. Uh, go. I can tell really that you started play. on clay because you're very it seems very natural, man. Like when you're on the clay, yeah, you move yeah. so well. It just seems like yeah, you well, just feel very at home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying. Last few years, I'm trying really to build up my serve, and I think it's. Um, all my life, I was kind of playing tennis uh, in a wrong way because uh, because I was a grinder. I loved to run. I loved to play a lot of drop shots. I loved to to practice in a way where I would hit, you know, eleven thousand balls, you know, for practice. And I would always avoid serve because for me it was something that is kind of boring, you know, and. All the fitness sessions that I did was a lot of running, a lot of coordination and things. So last few years, I was actually trying to to do a lot of gym, a lot of ex- explosivity, you know, just one step or two steps here and there. And uh, I was really trying to, to work on my serve a lot. And um, I think that's that's where i where i made the big what what made the the biggest impact on my game because tactically i changed completely and the way i practice it i changed completely and uh, yeah obviously i think the things are starting to 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 set you know to my service getting much better and uh, definitely and yeah. uh, maybe i'm even moving uh, a bit a bit slower or i'm not that agile like before but uh, but that's something that i was ready already when i started thinking that way to sacrifice you know in order yeah. to, to build up my weapons that that actually would make me a great player not not the the let's say well, the the average one you've got one of those uh, advantages over everybody else which uh, you need to take advantage of like you've obviously got that uh, massive height which you can be picking and choosing where you're putting those serves so yeah it's good to see that you're now starting to incorporate that i'm just can see once this is included into your game i think this is going to mean you're going to be pushing into that top 100 and then we're going to be seeing like a run for the top 50 or something maybe yeah hopefully i mean i i really I think in tennis the 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 biggest thing I I I realized is is that you no matter how good your shots are working on a practice that's nothing to do with a match and not <laughs> not in terms where you just like like I like to say shit your pants or whatever you know it's it's more in terms that you really feel you belong there you know with any any doubts, any any thoughts, you know, and that you realize that you're on a level where where almost anyone can can beat anyone, you know. You you're gonna wake yeah. up someday. You're not just not gonna feel like playing tennis, or you're gonna be a bit, you know, rusty or tired, or you know, like sleepy, or you're gonna have allergy, or it's gonna be altitude in Mexico and you're not gonna feel the ball, the ball's gonna fly, or the ball is not gonna go from your racket, or your timing is gonna be a bit there, or I don't know, you know, or there's gonna be shadow on half of the court, you're not gonna see the ball and you're gonna get broken, or there's gonna be a freaky wind, or you know, I mean, you have. Like, <laughs> it goes on and on and on. Yeah. The, the wind, that, you, it's funny you say that, the wind one is one I'm. Sure, Jaron's so surprised as well. We've watched some of these challenger matches and some of these uh, low rank matches, 
and to hear the wind and to see like the like the I don't know what you call it, like the umbrellas, umbrellas blowing like yeah. in between. It's like there's a hurricane you're playing in on some of these matches. That's mainly in America. Some of the American <laughs> tournaments you see some crazy winds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know what, what I say, like, uh, if the rules apply for everyone, I, I'm fine with that. You know, you, you could see in Monte Carlo, I mean, they had last year winds that were ridiculous and uh, everyone knew that they have to play and there's no rule for wind. So, you know, that's it. Or there's no rule that, you know, they need to turn on the lights if there is, uh, I played Hamburg actually, 500 qualis, um, uh, last round of qualis. I get, I was playing against Mute two years ago. Yeah. And next to the center court, so it was so bright on the sun, but next to the center court, there was like a shadow from a center court. I literally couldn't see one quarter of the court. Ah. And, and I was like, literally, I was not playing there because <laughs> whenever I would play there, I wouldn't see the ball coming back. And uh, I was I was saying uh, I remember my my friend uh, Lajovic Dusan was was watching me and I was telling him man I mean how how the hell are you dealing with uh, this kind of shadow when you're playing and he was like just don't pay attention I was like I cannot not pay attention when I don't freaking see the ball you know I mean yeah and uh, you know but through throughout career you you realize that ah well hell you know that's gonna happen and if I miss few shots you know. I can only try to bury that, you know, in my mind, and that's it. If you get broken, you know that that's it. And uh, even more yes, important to have that big serve then as well, just to get you out of trouble. Yeah, yeah, but you know, when you when you get when you have a break point or I don't know five four up in a tie break, and then the guy serves you in a corner where there is shadow, <laughs> and it's a, you know, it's just a mental game. It's mile an hour. 23 mile an hour serve and you just want to put it back and then you freaking shank it because you just don't see the ball and then you ask yourself, well, yeah, I'm freaking risking my serves, you know, for, for making a point and then this guy serves 30 kilometers an hour and <laughs> I just cannot see it and where's the point, you know, so. So, but so, so earlier you, sorry, so uh, earlier you mentioned your very good friend with Dusan Lajovic as well. Um, what is it like in Team Serbia? Are you quite a close group of players? Obviously, you've got Trojski, Djokovic. Yeah, well, we we all, we are from small country, you know, and we all know each other since, since we we're like, I don't know, 10, 10 or 9, 10, I don't know, I mean, I'm. Uh, we're all really good, good friends. We never really had problems with even in the matches, even in like really important matches. And uh, we 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 played some throughout our lives. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like uh, yeah, we're really good friends. Like started really the year well as well. The ATP Cup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The ATP Cup and uh, things. Yeah, I mean. We even won the Davis Cup, and it's like I think in our country, if you if you win for Serbia, it's even bigger. Like if you <laughs> if you win it only for yourself, you know, it's like everyone gets so proud and like, yeah, we're Serbians and this and that. And then when you lose, then you know all these betting uh, guys they're sending you you piece of shit. You're not Serbian, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they're very tough fans for sure. Because we've uh, we've spoke about Djokovic, well, obviously many times on the podcast. Yeah. And if we ever say anything of any kind controversial at all, we have them in the comments going for us completely. So yeah, yeah, they're Always. very loyal. Yeah, well, yeah. Actually, yesterday I was I was practicing with him, and we had we had really fun, and we were speaking actually about uh, our childhood memories and how. Uh, we would like to bring back some club tennis in uh, in Serbia and how we grew up, you know, playing from for 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 biggest clubs in Belgrade and how there were, you know, kind of healthy wars in between clubs and uh, this healthy competition. I think this club tennis is basically what made us, you know, the fighters and the players that we are Definitely. like we are today. We're we're a country where. We don't even have 7 million people. And then, uh, I mean, a few years ago, you had in the same week, uh, Ana Ivanovic was number one, Jelena Jankovic was number two, Djokovic was number three, and Zimonic <laughs> was number one doubles. 
and uh, you know then you have incredible yourself, tennis hey, nation Sabi. incredible yeah, yeah, then, even then now you you've still got lots you've got now like what four players inside the top 100 men's as well no we have more five more. is it I, uh, no we have Djokovic Lajovic Krajinovic Kecmanovic Kecmanovic yeah. five yeah 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 five yeah, yeah five uh, soon to be six, because Danilo Petrovic is yeah, making his way in there. Well, Milovic is still in front of me. He's like only a little bit. He's like two yeah. places, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, those, those, those few places cost me like 150k on ATP Cup, so yeah. Ah. I, will, I, I will remember those few places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, but, but, but it's... it's uh, it's it's a pleasure. I mean, even watching them winning, I yeah, was, I was giving me goosebumps and uh, and such a such a big swing in my self confidence. Because when you come on tournament, you know, and everyone says, "Wow, you guys won ATP Cup," you know, you you're the one, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that's us," you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you really like, well, uh, you've had some players in your career that you've uh, beaten. I was looking back down uh, through the list of some of your wins, like and. In 2019, uh, you had an amazing tournament in Israel that you won, yeah. and you beat uh, another player that we've been following closely on the podcast, uh, Emil Rusevori, who is like was in the best form of his, of his life last year, and you beat him in straight sets, which is amazing. Yeah, well. Well, actually, in that time in Israel, I was struggling a lot. I was three. I was three thirty. I had semis to defend of uh, one challenger, and I was like, "Well, hell, I don't want to go back to this uh, transition tour because I was grinding so so many years on futures, and uh, I was just like, okay, if I if I don't make anything like in next few weeks, I'm just gonna quit. I mean, I'm I'm just sick of it, like playing futures and everything. And uh, then yeah, I, I actually had an Israeli guy first round, uh, and then actually I I lost in Pune like few months before that, and I was like, well, you know, like why him, you know, like and uh, then I beat him. Then I had the uh, I had Dudi Sela. Yeah, another great player. Yeah, really tough match, especially when you're playing in the middle of Jerusalem. And uh, (laughs) then I had, yeah, Emil. Emil was... Wow. But already then, he was like 300. Then I was saying to everyone, well, you know, you can feel the difference in the ball when you're playing like a a futures guy. Because for, for me, in my head at that time, he was like a futures guy. He just won like two, three futures in a row. I know, I knew that he was probably, you know, like pumped up and everything. But I just, uh, I don't know, in my head in that time until I stepped on the court and saw how he plays, I was like, yeah, probably like, you know, a future guy that uh, <laughs> that is just like on fire. And uh, I was there myself too. So, you know, when he comes on challengers, you only need that... Uh, one millimeter of of doubt that you're on challenger and that's all of your game you know falls apart and uh, so i was thinking yeah at some point for sure he's gonna fall apart and he's gonna start thinking you know well wait i'm on challenger you know i shouldn't maybe go for that, <laughs> that. But, but to be honest i don't know if that happened or not it was uh, it was quite Tight match. I beat him like I think four and four or four and three. Three and yeah, but, four and three. Yeah, but the one break in both sets and it was really quite quite a tight, really tight match. That that is the match where you see four and three, but that's hell of a match. It was really yeah. really. He was in brilliant form as well. Like he's a brilliant player. Well, we we obviously really like him, just on hard court. It's a shame he yeah, didn't really qualify player, for Australian Open. Guy. So so humble, modest, uh, technically really good, physically really good, and uh, you know, like I said, you can see like the ball pops from his racket, like yeah. like it goes from from Sinner's racket or from uh, yeah. like it goes from Djokovic or exactly. I, mean, I don't even need to say uh, Murray, is... Rafa, Roger, but you you know you you can feel those can guys tell. when you're playing with them. Yeah, yeah. When looking at just like, goes. Yeah, looking at uh, obviously. We've been following him after that, like a couple of 
months after that, he he goes and beats Dominic Team in straight sets. So yeah. this is like uh, this is how good the guy is, and you took him out into in straight sets. So this is like a testament this, to yourself, I think. Yeah, this is something I'm telling in all my interviews and for the for post, podcast podcasts and and the things that, but obviously not to you guys, but to to trying to open the publicly, you know, eyes of how good the 500 or 600 guy guy is Sorry. actually tennisically. So I always say, if like I said, if you wake up slightly pissed or not willing to play, you're losing like this to someone that is 600, even though you're top 100. So I don't think people are realizing how big focus and how strict those guys that are are playing in top 50 and top 100 are with their focus even when we see someone like Benoit Perde is you know like <laughs> laughing breaking rackets and this but trust me I mean I grew kind of grew up with him because I was with him in in academy in France this guy when you tell him like okay we play points or okay we play five euros he doesn't we play anything uh, uh, chewing gum <laughs> you need to it's like to beat him it's to like giving a birth to a child you know like you need to break all your bones he's gonna invent if he needs 700 ways to beat you and what and you just said there that's the reason why i fell in love with tennis exactly exactly yeah. for what the reasons you said there like i can see yeah. it like the level is so high you look at the guys 600 in the world you watch some of their clips or watch them sometimes live it's hard to always get the stream but occasionally you do the level's brilliant. Level's incredible. Fine uh, margins. Yeah, I don't even know how to return most of the stuff they hit. Fine margins in in yeah, uh, in every in tennis. And a lot of it's just mental and like your discipline and stuff like that to get literally, to that next the, level. The thing is, me when I was 500 and me today, okay, obviously, tennisically, I progressed a lot. It's like I said, just I remember one of my first challengers when I was 17 or 18 and I went, I think it was... Cherbourg in France and I went to, so I was quite decent player I mean I was 450 and I won already like four or five futures and uh, I went to the players lounge and all of a sudden there is there is Olivier Patience that played uh, two years before that he played the fourth round against Djokovic and Roland Garros then you have uh, Marc Giquel then you have uh, I don't know, Jaziri, then you have, uh, you know, all <laughs> these guys that are used, or all these guys that I used to watch, even Tsonga was there because he was coming back from an injury. Yeah. And uh, you see all of those guys, and like, you know, they say everyone, hi, hi, they know each other. And then you're like, wait, well, <laughs> it kind of happened too fast, you know, like, wait, how, how I ended up here, you know? So the, the biggest thing is just that you really believe that you belong there. You know, when, at, 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 when you start believing you belong there, that's like 70% of the job. Then, of course, there is hard work, patience, and a bunch of investments in uh, mental, uh, mentally-wise, uh, time-wise, and obviously money-wise. That's, that's, I think, the biggest trap in tennis is that a lot of guys are giving themselves physically and they're even willing to sacrifice their time or their social life. But even that, without the money, doesn't really get you far. So uh, it's just uh, lately, especially the last few years, it's becoming a game where, you know, 10 years ago when I was playing uh, Futures and when I started playing Futures or even more, it was, uh, you know, no one really did the massage, for example. <laughs> it was like, oh, you're going to do a massage. Well, you're, you're kind of, you know, only pussies do the massage, you know. Then, <laughs> then if you would drink protein, everyone would say, oh, that's doping, that's doping, that's doping. You know? <laughs> Just certainly not uh, the massage part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, then then uh, you you had things like food or these non-gluten things or vegan or vegetarian you know it was just like like seemed like future you know it's like 
no one was doing it, even best in the world. I remember later here drinking Coke on the court and uh, I don't know, things like that, you know, it's, it's today, yeah, today everything counts so much. I mean, yeah. especially if you're, I mean, I was speaking with Noah yesterday and I, I told him, man, for you, it must be scary. Like I'm feeling like you blink wrongly <laughs> and you're number two, you know, it's yeah. like, like even bizarre things can make you like go number two or you're going to be the best ever. You know, it's, uh, it's so heavily criticized as it is. He just has to have one off point in a match where he might not be thinking and people just zoom in on that one thing. So he has to be focused, focused all year round. Yeah. We were actually speaking, uh, he went for dinner two days ago and then, uh, half an hour later, the, he told me like, 700 paparazzi is like, <laughs> what? and then she said, I didn't want to make them like headline stories, like non joke is drinking wine or having a dinner on an opening of restaurant. So she told me, I, I just left the, the party. And uh, then I heard one Serbian singer singing in that restaurant. Like, ah. And then I realized, Oh hell, well, they didn't come for me. They, they probably came for her. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. So we were oh, laughing. Oh, but great. obviously, I mean, in, in Belgrade now, we were practicing at his tennis center, and uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, then Lima. then when you're long longer periods, like for a few hours or a few days, closely with him, that you realize that actually, if he lifts up the glass wrongly, it's like everywhere. Yeah. So what's it like? How, what's it like? Obviously, he's like a very close friend of yours uh, from a young yeah, age. What's What's it like seeing one of your really close friends just becoming this superstar? Like, obviously, going to possibly be the greatest player of all time in the future. Well, we, we were we were never really that that close, you know, because he was already as as very young, unbelievably yeah. good, and then. Uh, then uh, I, I went to, to 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 France. I was living there. Then okay. he was obviously playing all the biggest tournaments in the world. And I started. I was starting up with futures and everything. And then we kind of lost contact. But yeah, when we started speaking again, it was like we never stopped. You know, it was always. like uh, yeah, it was like always. So yeah, he's he's very humble, very smart. He's very 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 smart. Very. He's uh, very, um, very, how you say, open-minded oriented, you know, he's like very open to listening. I'm sometimes telling him like a random guy passes and tells him something and then he's like, oh yeah, yeah. well, that's, that makes sense. Tell me more. And I'm like, <laughs> man, you're freaking, you got like, I don't know, three or four laureos, you know, for being sports, best sportsman in the, in the entire world. And you're listening to a guy that is driving a bike, you know, on a, on a, on a, on a hot day. And he's like, yeah, maybe he knows something I don't, you know. And that just shows so, why he's the, that just shows why he's got to where he is. Cause he's always listening. He's always open. He's just, yeah, it's, he's an incredible it's man. Yeah. yeah. And he's so, yeah he's, like you say, intelligent guy as well. Like I've yeah. seen him yeah, online speaking like about six languages or something. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. He's, he's really like open-minded and intelligent and, yeah, I mean, obviously, only best words. Anyway, a few quick. Qu I've got a few quick fire questions for you because I know we've been on going on for a while. But just for you personally, do you have a favorite player on tour who you like to watch? Well, obviously him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other than Novak Djokovic. I, Other than yeah, Novak Djokovic, too. It doesn't have to be one of the top guys. Just someone you look I, at and you think this guy is really good. I love watching him. It's always an entertaining matches. I I I just love Federer, David Federer. He oh, was David for me like uh, yeah one of the inspirations because he's the guy that if he f fights with a referee you know 99% he's right <laughs> and uh, because he never does it and then that's a guy that I don't know he was smoking a pack a day of cigars and then cigarettes and then he would go and play five sets I don't know eight hours <laughs> and not saying a word and uh, and I, he's so humble. He, you would always, I literally never saw him on any tournament, no matter how pissed he was, like not smiling after like very, very 
small period of time, you know, he was like all the time, yeah, 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 angry, 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 and then he would be like, hey, hey yeah, and he's always so humble, uh, and yeah, such such a nice, nice guy. I mean, I don't really know him, like, we're not friends, but I always liked him, I was always watching him on the side, in players' players' lounges, and in uh, dining uh, in the restaurants around Grand Slams, and, and some of the masters, and uh, I always thought, well, that's that's an. I would like to be one day a guy like he's, you know, like very well respected, but not only for tennis, but everyone is saying like, yeah, that's he's a really good guy. You're never gonna hear anyone talking, you know, bad things about David Fair or or yeah. someone like that. So uh, for me, it's yeah, I'd say someone someone like him, not not because he's tennis or he's. Uh, most uh, talented or funny guy to watch but just you know out and on the court i just love him besides yeah. him uh, on the court i always loved cuevas pablo cuevas okay yeah and uh, i don't know the way he walks the way he acts he's <laughs> so talented it's a joke obviously benoit per he's yeah. he's unbelievable and uh yeah, those are the, the, the first few guys. That I think there's some good selections. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, first time I saw Del Potro live uh, on Davis Cup in Serbia, I was impressed. I, he was breaking the ball. So, yeah, Del Potro yeah. as well. Yeah, power so, upon power. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a joke. I mean, I had goosebumps when he, <laughs> when he swings. For of, he, when he makes a swing for forehand, I was like, "Oh shit, it's gonna happen!" <laughs> it's a little bit like this with Kyrgios sometimes these days as well. There's the power yeah, he gets. He, he gets I, I actually really like him because um, he's one of the guys that I think the future of sports is gonna be like. You know, it's I think soon he's gonna develop where in interviews everyone's gonna be saying what they're thinking not what is politically correct to say, you know? It's social and, media. It, lets you, it, lets you allows, it gives you a platform. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. That now. Right. I, I just think that, uh, you know, he overreacts sometimes and he like, I think he's, he's doing the, the worst image for bigger public for himself, but he's a really modest, nice guy humble guy even though he has that walk you know and the way he talks on the on interviews and the press conferences uh, you'd always say you know like well look at this freaking idiot you know like why why the hell he needs but you know he's only like that because there's some backstory behind it you know if you ask him a stupid question well 99 percent of the people if the cameras are off we are going to tell you well why the hell are you even asking me that when you know the question when you know the answer you know? they're trying to incite so, like a some sort of negative like view on him all the time isn't it so yeah that's yeah what... yeah but but actually if you know him like i i don't know him again i i played once against him i think on a futures or challenger in, in Chengdu, and uh we, we we had a fight on the court actually <laughs> and uh he was, uh, he was. I remember I was 5-2 up in the second set and he started laughing. And then I was like, why the hell are you laughing, man? And he was like, man, you're so lucky. I was like, well, that's not your freaking problem. I mean, <laughs> so disrespectful to laugh at me. And he started like, I can do whatever I want. And then we were like, kind of in a fight. And, uh, but out of the court, yeah, he's like, he acts cocky, but he's not. I don't know how to explain that. He like, I think it's just like a facade, you know. So it's just a face yeah. sometimes. Just yeah, that's anyway, I've got a final question for you. Who's the toughest player you've played? Oof, I don't really know. You would need to probably someone that that I lost a lot of times. <laughs> so, I don't really know. I I, I don't like serving volley players. I freaking hate them yeah <laughs> probably yeah because you don't have rhythm and then i think i serve good and then some guy pops out and like serve the shit out of me and... have you ever played uh maxime cressy yeah. never 
Oh, okay. Yeah, watch no, out for his his serve and volley on nearly every yeah, point. <laughs> I, 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 saw him, I saw him on Challenger in Newport in, in Cleveland where he won his first Challenger. And uh, he's, he's like a college player, you know, he's like, uh, I think he graduated on, on, on college. Yeah. And he's like, you know, every important point, you, if he wins it, you're going to hear like a scream, come on! <laughs> <laughs> now, watch out for a lot of the Americans. A lot of them are always at the net. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm good friends with everyone. I just, uh, you know, it's like it's like a, a way to to piss someone off, you know, to make yeah. him like. I used to hate that when I was younger. When the opponent used to do that, I used to it used to really get under my skin. I used to yeah, end up losing. Same. Them. same. I'm always the Ramos. Like, no, the the, uh, the Vamos. Yeah, I was always the humble. <laughs> The humble and nice guy, you know, but then tennis teaches you some life lesson where you, if you don't do it, you know, it's kind of like a war, you know, if you're in front of a guy that's going to shoot you and you don't shoot him, well, at least ask yourself, is it better that his mother cries or yours? So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there. That's the best yeah. way to end the podcast, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank I'm you so good. much, Danilo, for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You've got so many stories. No it was extremely no entertaining. I know yeah. you're having a massage at the beginning, but thanks for making <laughs> some time for us. We learned yeah. a lot, and hopefully you watching as well, the viewers, you learned something as well. We've been following you literally on the Challenger Tour over the past like year or two. And yeah, I've just been watching you grow as a player. So I just can't wait to see tennis come back and see you come back on court so we can see you're this new big serve and how you're going to hopefully. improve. Yeah, we're hoping hopefully to come to some of the tournaments as well. So we'll see you around. Yeah, mate. We're coming yeah, to those tournaments. Perfect. perfect. It was a pleasure, guys. And take care and stay safe. Yeah, Cheers, you man. Too, man. Cheers, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <Bye-bye. laughs>